0: Welcome back to another episode of Large Arm and LaChé. This week I have actually started to stray from the ISO cafe because restrictions have been lifted, but I'm actually feeling a lot of pressure to nail these new restrictions. Like five people I can do. That's only one friend and their boyfriend plus my boyfriend and my baby. Done. 10 people outside. Mm, bit of a stretch. I would literally need all my friends in one place at one time. So 20 people, oh my God, I'm absolutely dreading. Who has 20 friends? I don't. I can't achieve that. My social anxiety is through the roof right now, not because of fear of being around people again, like maybe a little bit, 10% that, but because I I do not have enough friends to be around. I can't do that, Dan. I'm sorry. I think I'm just going to stay in the ISO cafe. Today on the podcast, we're mixing it up for an even larger almond latte because fans, it's what you asked for and the podcast is for you. We've got two low involvement segments, followed by a review on something that's actually good and I'd really like you to read. With your help in the Facebook group Large Almond Latte Podcast, we've pulled together the story of the ultimate frugal life, plus we discuss the lady hero of Hollywood that is single-handedly saving over 28 leading ladies from early retirement and saving us from a TV and film industry totally dominated by saggy balls. Finally, I reviewed the totally fucked up but excellent read My Dark Vanessa. And of course, there's still a life changer in there for you too. Fans, as you may be aware, because I mention it literally every episode, I'm on an endeavour to get rich. And thus far, it's been a bit of a non-starter, but everyone knows that rich people are also the tightest, which is fortuitous for me because I really need to start tightening the old purse strings. This month was the last month of my maternity leave doll payments, Devo, plus now my boyfriend is on the doll or job seeker and I really need to support his Bundy and Coke habit. So I'm going to have to start using my own money for this, like that I actually worked for and saved. And I do not like seeing that savings number diminished, which look, it's no surprise. And I'm going to get to the joke before you do because as someone of the faith, being tight is in my blood. And of course, fans, you've also shared your frugal tips in the Facebook group Large Almond Latte podcast too, although some of you like Bougie Polina wanted to make very clear that these behaviors are from the past because now she is like rich with her full-time job and doesn't need to be a total cheapskate. I'm kind of with Polina on this one because as you'll see, someone who adopts this lifestyle full-time is kind of a bad guy. So without further ado, I present to you the Life Lived Frugally. Wake up in the morning feeling like P. Diddy. What up, girl? We very quickly realize we are not living like PDD. We get out of bed and we go for a run in our Aldi gym wear. Wait, like we or you? I'm going to say you so you can picture yourself in this lifestyle and then choose which elements to adopt. So we're going for a run. You're going for a run in your Aldi gym wear because it's cheap, but also like gold star quality. You run to the park in your Aldi gym wear and there's a group PT class taking place. There's enough people in the class that they don't notice that you're hiding behind a treat, also participating in the class for free. Classic. You run back home and now it's time to take a shower. To save water, you shower with your significant other. Now, get your mind out of the gutter. It's not a good time in there. It's a three-minute shower. There is no time for... (coughs). Controversially, you pee in the shower because you're not going to waste water flushing a toilet for a number one. Plus, you and your SO have already agreed that you'll only flush after number twos. When you're in the shower, you wash your hair first. So you lather up the shampoo and once it's lathered up on your head, you transfer the shampoo onto their head. Meanwhile, they've been shaving in the shower. So you do a little switcheroo where then they give you the cheap $2 razor and a bar of gold soap for you to shave your legs. No conditioning or body wash today. That saves for special occasions like your wedding day. What a great start to the morning already. Time for breakfast. Breakfast. On the menu today is a bowl of rolled oats that retail for $2 at Safeways with water. Not heated water, cold water, because it's cheaper. It sounds bland, but it's not, because you put some sugar over the top. Now, obviously, you didn't buy the sugar. You regularly steal sugar sachets from cafes. (laughs) Not that you order food from cafes, lols. No, you go with your friends and order a glass of water, and then you watch them eat their avocado on toast. If you're feeling particularly spenny, maybe you'll get a black coffee. Then, when your friends go to split the bill at the end of the brunch, you make it very clear that you shouldn't pay equally because you only had a glass of water and those sugar sachets you stole. Oh my God, you must have so many friends. So you make a quick Nescafe in your keep cup because you've never paid $5 for a coffee in your life. Brush your teeth with your shared toothbrush and it's off to work because this story is set in the future or the past, but not now. You drive to work, avoiding tolls, of course, in your 2002 Toyota Corolla that you bought outright for $4,000. That's a hot tip from Fan Jess right there. Financing your car, there is debate over this as much as there's debate over whether a manual or auto driver is better. Both sides agree you should park your ego at the door. Park, get the pun. There is nothing frugal about an Audi that breaks down every six months and requires parts to be imported from Europe. But one side will tell you to buy a secondhand car outright that you can buy with your savings because you'll pay interest on a loan. The other side will tell you to take out a loan because, yes, you'll pay interest on it, but you'll only pay that interest once. Whereas if you keep the money you have in savings, that money will continue to earn interest E.g. compounding interest, which if you keep that money in savings long-term or even in an investment, the interest earned through compounding will outweigh the interest paid once on the loan. Fun finance for you there. It's really personal preference. Back to the story. After five minutes of work and three hours of discussing the comeback of silver chains after watching Normal People, it's time for lunch. Lucky for you, you've packed a lunch, It's last night's leftover lentil curry. Lentils are super cheap unless you buy lentil pasta because that's super bougie and hip right now and it's hella like fan Polina probably buys it. Oh, and speaking of Polina, here's a hot tip she gave us that she obviously doesn't do anymore. You leave your wallet at home so you're not tempted to get a cheeky twix from the vending machine, let alone a $25 salad from the cafe downstairs. That's outrageous. After lunch, since you've already done your... Work for the day, you spend the afternoon getting paid to do surveys on your phone that your work pays for. Or if you're not that fortunate to have your work pay for a phone, take Ember's lead and get a $16 a month phone plan through Spintel.net.au. Apparently, it's on the Optus network. Look, I've never heard of them, so please don't take this as an endorsement and do your own research. As far as surveys go, you can actually sign up to companies like Taluna or Pure Profile. It's super safe. It is is definitely below minimum wage pay. But if you have a lot of spare time in your proletariat job or are, say, breastfeeding for 27 hours a day, it's a really good way to kill time. And you can very quickly end up with a tidy 25 bucks in your PayPal account for basically just tapping your thumb. Work from home day because we've got to claim all those home office buys on tax. Thanks for the hot tip, John. If you're working from home, you can claim rent, electricity, gas, water because it's office space, internet, computer, computer bag, printer, paper, stationery, your desk, your chair, What an absolute goldmine. We're not just saving money now, we're actually making money. Obviously, working from home, we are getting so much more work done without all those people distracting us every five minutes. Hey, did you get my email? Hey, how do you do this? Hey, why don't you find out for yourself instead of bugging me every five seconds? So after 2.5 hours of solid work, you are Absolutely pooped. You deserve a reward. Let's go shopping. You purposely live near a high street so you can walk to a strip of shops and you don't have to be around those dirty people that go to shopping centers and let their children lick the floor or have to pay for petrol or parking. The only things you actually buy in bricks and mortar shops are things you absolutely cannot buy online for cheaper, which you know through extensive research. Even then, you still don't pay full price. You pop into a local boutique so you can support small business because you're so thoughtful like that. And you nip into the change rooms with a delicious scented candle and a nice worktop because cost per wear on work clothes basically makes them free. You rub the worktop against your face so it gets foundation on the collar and then ever so lightly smash the candle against the mirror in the change room so it gets a little chip. You then approach the counter and in your kindest voice, let the sales assistant know that you love both of the items so much, but the top has a little bit of foundation on it and you might not be able to get that out. You definitely will. And the candle has a little chip in it. Maybe if you could get 20% off, you'd definitely get both the items. She says 10, you say 15 and it's a done deal. You give yourself a literal pat on the back as you walk out. You are so proud of yourself for doing your bit to save the economy. It's time for grocery shopping, and this is where you really shine. You make a list and stick to it, so you don't accidentally buy a 12-pack of gluten-free, sugar-free, fat-free, choc-chip bickies because they sound super healthy, yet Delicious. Where you go shopping depends on where you can get what's on your list for the cheapest. For example, Old El Paso taco kits are regularly $5 on sale at Kohl's. They were even $3.95 this week, a bargain, but they never go under $6 at Safeways. And given that it's a constant staple, it really tips the scales in favor of Coles. Now, Aldi, I love Aldi more than the regular person. I look forward to their specials every week. And sometimes I, like once a month, I will even line up before the stores open so I can get in and make sure I get my coffee machine. But something about buying fresh food from there gives me the irks. Like, I feel like it's secondhand food, like buying food from an op shop. And I just can't, but, you know, each to their own. I feel like there are two types of grocery shoppers. There are frivolous money wasters who makes me shudder at the thought, but they'll buy whatever brand they want of the item they need. Then there are the rest of us who will buy the cheapest option of the item that we want. Personally, I feel that the addition of the cost per kilo to the supermarket ticket is the greatest invention in the supermarket game since self-serve checkouts. There are only a few things that you absolutely should not cheap out on in the soupy toilet paper, because nobody wants to wipe their ass with cardboard, butter, it's Western star or nothing. And finally, ice cream. There is no substitute for connoisseur or if you're being skinny, halo top. And for these occasions, you need to follow the sales cycle, which starts on a Wednesday. Sometimes I actually get so excited about this new sales cycle that I actually go to Safeway on a Wednesday just to see what specials are on because I have a lot of spare time. Connoisseur is always on sale and should never be purchased at full price, which is $11. You should only ever pay $7 or less. So the only exception from straying from your list is to purchase these items when they are on sale. Side note, I would be such a good extreme couponer. I would definitely have a basement full of non-perishables only, obviously not perishables because I would eat them all. I digress. So with your shopping done, we now hit the self-service checkout. You've got some nuts at the self-serve nut station, but you accidentally put them through as rice crackers, which are $20 a kilo cheaper. Although you seem to have a variety of different colors and sizes of fruits and vegetables in your trolley, they all appear to have gone through as carrots, even the has avocados. The fan that suggested this hot tip will remain nameless because it feels mm, mildly illegal. You then put the $20 finished dishwashing tablets straight into the bag without swiping them and get super disgruntled when the checkout says, Unexpected item in bagging area. The attendant comes over and punches in their code to render that machine error without even checking. What a bargain! Finally, you accidentally put the packed bags over some unscanned items still in the trolley, such as your $30 teeth whitening strips and Meredith goat's cheese, so you forget to scan those. Hey, at least you use reusable bags, which you definitely may be paid for. Then you trot off into the sunset with your weekly grocery shop for two people for under $75. Since this week's grocery shop really came in under budget, you decide to do some online shopping when you get home because you're going out this weekend, so you're going to need a new nice top to wear. Oh, and just to be clear, you're 100% stealing internet from your neighbors and not paying for it. You are a master of the online shop. You know that when you sign up, you always get a discount, like Glassons always do 20% off for signing up, which is the same as what they go on sale for. You also add things to your cart and then come back when they go on sale so you can buy them if you still like them. Big retail chains regularly do sales. The Iconic always does 30%, Country Road and Seed regularly do 25%. So guess what? Today is click frenzy and you're going to buy a top from the Iconic. But, oh my God, no, you haven't purchased enough to get free shipping. It's not even a choice, really. You obviously have to spend another $50 to get the free shipping. Because if you're paying, you want something tangible in return. And if something free is on offer, you will do whatever it takes to get that. You've got two Faithful the Brand tops that will also double as work tops. Cost Per Wear is really winning here. And we're ready to check out. But before you do, you activate shop back. What is ShopBack? ShopBack is a Google Chrome extension or app where retailers partner up with. It finds the best discounts for you on that retailer's site and then also gives you a percentage back of the purchase. What's the catch, you say? Well, ShopBack takes your details and then gives them to the retailer so they can follow your purchase behavior. So the retailers can best serve your purchasing needs in the future. It's a win-win. Plus, if you don't want big business having your data you should probably stop listening to this podcast because even I've got your data. Actually, you should probably disconnect your internet, your phone, your electricity. Just move out to the middle of the bush and become 100% self-sufficient, like one of those weirdos that gets a documentary made on them that people watch because they're intrigued, not because they envy you. That is literally the only way you're going to avoid business getting your data. Anyway, rant over, you've activated ShopBack, got 7.5% back. Yes, so next time, you're basically going to make a purchase for free. Also, side note, I've dropped a referral code for Shopback in the show notes. So if you sign up, you'll get $5 in your account before you even make a purchase. Woo It's Saturday night, party time, and your toughest decision is deciding which of the nice tops you ordered off the iconic you're gonna wear. You work out that you can actually return one with free shipping and then get some more money back. So you make your selection and match it with your trusty Tony Bianco boots and some Zara jeans. The next behaviour you're about to engage in is actually so ingrained, as Fan John said, we actually don't even think of it as being frugal. It's just standard practice now. You absolutely load up at pre drinks, so you don't have to buy drinks when you're out, or you buy less drinks. You get a bottle of Smirnoff from the cupboard that a friend left at your house like five years ago, which was approximately the last time that you went out drinking. You pour yourself some half vodka, half soda water from your frugal soda stream. And after two drinks, you are absolutely lit, ready to hit the club. Let's go. And by club, I mean the local bar down the street because you're not paying for an Uber, but before you go, you pull out your flask and fill it up with the remainder of the vodka because you're not paying for a drink either. You get to the local bar with your friends, which to be honest, I don't know how you have any friends still. You're a real dick. And you probably order a soda water, ensuring it's from the tap, of course, and not from a bottle because, you know, the environment and also paying for water when you're out is the ultimate sin. Phew, it's free. Once you get back to your seat, you swiftly drop some flask glove into that soda water. Your friend suggests you get some size, which you're totally down for. You were expecting this. She's like, maybe some corn chips and some guac and some eggplant chips. Totally. But you don't offer to pay. As your friend gets up, she obviously asks what you want to drink. And you're like, just a Negrini, please. I'll get the next one. You will not get the next one. Your next two friends get the next two rounds. Then the clock strikes midnight and it's your round. But as midnight is the absolute latest anyone over 30 can legally be out, you say, Oh, oh well, I'll buy the first round next time. You won't. You roll home and you take a quick one minute shower because it allows you to both take off your makeup, but also you can drink the water to stop you from being dehydrated in the morning. Honestly, you deserve to be hungover. You're such a piece of shit. And um, that's the frugal life for you. Literally the worst kind of person, but like some good tips for every now and then. This week, I started watching The Great on Stan, which is basically the TV version of the Academy Award winning movie, The Favourite, because it's by the same writer, Tony McNamara. It's a satirical, very hilarious account of Catherine the Great coming from Prussia, aka Germany, to Russia to marry this total dick of an emperor, Peter. And... There is one thing about this show that really grinds my gears and it's the age gap between the leads, Nicholas Holt and Al Fanning. He's 30 and she's 22. Now, the show is real loose on history, obvious with lines like, I am of gentle heart and massive cock, lol. But in real life, Catherine was 16 and Peter was 17. So sure, I don't want one of the real housewives teenage daughters in this role. So I'm all for them being older, but I just don't see the need for the age gap. It's so done. Obviously, this topic is as well worn as your Ugg boots in winter because despite many an eyebrow raised, at an absolute minimum, that's being kind, it is just so integral of Hollywood's brand to have a leading lady significantly younger than the leading man. But I think the reason this really triggered me, and I am triggered, is because it's the first time I'm the same age as the older male rather than the younger co star Like, is this the dawn of a new era with Gen Z leading female co-stars, where our contemporaries, the until now female leading ladies like Emma Stone and Jennifer Lawrence, have to start accessing their pensions at the ripe old age of 28? I could be totally wrong, because both Nicholas Hult and Al Fanning are unbelievable in these roles, and they simply could have just been the best two people for the roles, art, history would suggest another story. We've already watched this happen to the class above. I mean, when was the last time you saw Anne Hathaway or Keira Knightley in a leading role? Sorry, a leading role in a movie that wasn't worse than Shit on Your Shoe, Anne Hathaway in The Hustle, I'm Looking at You. Maggie Gyllenhaal even came out and said that at 37, she was told she was too old to play the love interest of a Fifty-five-year-old man. Somehow, I don't think her brother Jake Gyllenhaal has ever been told he's too old for a role. Because in Hollywood, men are allowed to age, but leading females have to remain this revolving door of women fresh out of puberty. Slate published this article a few years ago, which shows the leading role age gap super clearly in these simple graphs. They show a single leading man in movies over time, obviously aging, but their leading female co-stars remain 20-something. So the age gap in their movies just increases over time. In some movie called Third Person, Liam Neeson is 32 years older than his love interest, Olivia Wilde. Gross. Lucky I've never seen or heard of that movie because it sounds revolting, but there's actually tons of movies with super old men and a love interest a quarter of their age that you've probably never heard of. How about firewall, oblivion, Abberage. They star Harrison Ford, Tom Cruise, and Richard Gere, but I'm pretty confident that you've never heard of them, right? Why? Because I think that's the people saying, Yet, yeah, like they're good actors, but we don't want to see them in leading roles with women that are a quarter of their age. We don't want to watch grandpa porn. There's literally like only a handful of men that I want to see over like 45 years old playing a leading romantic role. No, it's three. Brad, George and Veronica's dad in Riverdale. Brad is actually graft and he fares surprisingly well, but you know who actually wins the grafts with an average age gap of like four years? I'm going to let you guess. He is everyone's favorite actor. Like every single person loves him. He's not a stunner, but he's just an all-round good guy. Can you guess? Okay, it's Tom Hanks. And I think the reason that him and Brad fare so well in these graphs is because they actually play age-appropriate characters, they make good content, and they're good actors. So they don't need these pretty young faces doing any heavy lifting for them. Even if we don't want to see these super old men in leading roles, and one more time for the people in the back, we absolutely do not want to see sex scenes with Steve Carell and anyone. But if it does have to be someone, I want it to be like a hot peer, like Sandra Bullock, not someone who looks like his daughter. Actually, I feel like a movie with Sandra Bullock and Steve Carell could be really good. I digress. I think that the reason these old Hollywood producers cast men like this is because they don't know any better. For them, it's just art imitating life. Obviously, there's old mate Leo, who's girlfriend's probably got too old for him while they're in isolation together. Poor guy. And remember last year when Keanu Reeves started dating that old lady with gray hair? I mean, I feel like at first people were devastated because he's the ultimate guy and he got a girlfriend. It's like when famous people are single, you think you have a chance with them. So when they get a girlfriend, you get really upset. In reality, we have about as much of a chance with them as we do losing weight without changing a single thing about our lifestyle, but then really there was outrage because she looked old enough to be his mum. In fact, she's actually nine years younger than him. And of course, then we have the absolute king of age gaps, Woody Allen, who really went the extra mile to claim this title because not only is his wife 35 years younger than him, she's also his daughter. Well, stepdaughter, but... I mean, for mine, that's like ordering a large meal at McDonald's with a Diet Coke. The damage is already done, buddy. But there is one Lady Superman. Lady man? No, Lady Superman, who is basically single-handedly saving us from 80-year-old saggy balls on our screens while concurrently saving our elder millennial contemporaries and even Gen X leading ladies in Hollywood from early retirement, and that is Reese Witherspoon. She realized that a bunch of shit film and television is created by old men and only focuses on men's stories. There was a huge drought of any content created by females and focused on females, so she created her own production company to do just that. She showcases great female stories and tells those stories starring talented female actors. There is not a single inappropriately cast man or woman in any Hello Sunshine production. Big Little Lies, Actually, even Nicole Kidman is nine years older than Alexander Skarsgård, which to be honest, I did have a problem with that I need to talk about. And it's not the age gap. It was the fact that he's a wife beater, but he's so hot. So I was like attracted to him and I was so disturbed with myself. Then there's The Morning Show, which I am forever grateful for because it brought Brad and Jen back together backstage at the SAG Awards, which honestly was the high point of 2020. Little Fires Everywhere with two leading ladies, what? Reese and Kerry Washington, aka Olivia Pope. It's just dropped on Amazon Prime and I did get an advanced screening via illegal streaming and it is fire. Everything Reese creates is pure gold and it always occupies the award-winning spaces without fail, which means there's less room for old saggy ball content. Reese Witherspoon has literally and figuratively knocked the men down from the top of the old Hollywood sign, and she's sitting up there instead with their friends, Nicole and Jen, and I've got such FOMO. So I guess if the old Hollywood men won't just retire, or at least retire their ageism, hit your prime in your 20s of being a leading lady, earn enough money to start your own production company, and then cast yourself and your girlfriends in your own work that is far more watchable than theirs. Oh, and also actually watch The Great because it's Well, great. This week, we're mixing up the reviews. We're keeping it short because, well, we're millennials and we have short attention spans. But don't worry, it'll still be equally as entertaining. And instead of the classic movies, I'll be reviewing things I actually really want you to watch or read. And in accidentally keeping with the theme of old men and young girls, this week I'm reviewing the book My Dark Vanessa by Kate Elizabeth Russell. And if you don't love eye exercise, you can sign up to Audible and get a free audiobook and listen instead. Another bonus frugal tip for you there. My Dark Vanessa is the story of a 15-year-old girl who has a relationship with her 42-year-old English teacher, and it is a very uncomfortable read. It explores consent, coercion and the enabling of systematic abuse told through the memories of a victim by flipping between 15-year-old Vanessa and present-day 32-year-old Vanessa. My emotions went on an absolute roller coaster ride while reading this. I was disgusted by this creep, then I felt sorry for him, then I went back to absolutely loathing him. Some of the sex scenes make very clear she's a child, but then some of them are written like it's two consenting adults, and I had to remind myself that this is not Fifty Shades of Grey. I cannot get excited about reading it. It's a 15-year-old girl and an old man. Aside from the distressing themes, there was something else about this book that kept me so rigid and distressed the whole way through. And I couldn't figure out what it was until I did. Vanessa is the worst. She is lazy, ungrateful, selfish, and just not a nice person. She's an entirely unlikable character. But then I had to think, is she this way because she's experienced child abuse? Do I need to empathize with this? Or is this just who she is at her core regardless? It turns out that the author created these characters this way on purpose just to make an already fucked up book even more fucked up. But honestly, I think it's part of the genius of this book that she makes the characters so complex. She makes you feel sorry for a pedophile and dislike a victim of child abuse because the topic itself is really complex. So why shouldn't this story be too? you know you've read a really good book when you're left thinking about it long after you've read the final page. And for this topic, everyone knows someone who's had a student-teacher relationship, whether it's your family friends who ended up getting married and now have been together for 45 years with three children and five grandkids or your friend who hooked up with a student teacher, or the 22-year-old English teacher that all the girls flirted with kind of inappropriately and became Facebook friends with while you were all still in school. In hindsight, a 22-year-old is who you were hooking up with in the back corner of seven while you were still in year 12. You probably even saw that 22-year-old teacher at seven. Basically, you could have done an aria from Pretty Little Liars and hooked up with your teacher at seven without even knowing. But all of these relationships... Felt really normal at the time and some of them still feel really normal. And this book makes you question everything. It's a five out of five almond lattes for mine. Plus you are constantly clenching your muscles because it's so uncomfortable. So it's basically accidental exercise too. And now it's time for your life changer. This week, the life changer is courtesy of Mark. So don't at me. The probability of being murdered by a cow is low. But it's never zero. Thanks for listening to Large Armand Latte. If you loved the podcast, you can subscribe on Apple and give us five stars if you're feeling super generous. Or follow us on Spotify. You can join the low involvement discussion by following us on Instagram at large arm latte podcast, or join the Facebook group at Large Armand Latte Podcast.